So Saudi Soul Lil Mama is out or was out since November mm-hmm. 25th. Uh, this is their first track in two years. They are terming this sound a future rumba. How did you find the track? I found the track quite okay. It was a, a nice uh, sort of breath of fresh air. There was some uh, familiarity to it. It felt like an extension of... Um, Susanna. Yeah, exactly. It felt like an extension of um, of Susanna a bit. I mean, it was it was a good comeback track. I wouldn't call it the greatest comeback track there is, but um, uh, I mean, it was it was it was it was good. We haven't had a salty soul song for a while, so I'll take it. I definitely loved the track myself, but the only thing that yeah. I have um, a thing with right is the song itself is very very nice from the beginning like immediately after the opener and immediately before the end if you if you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that middle part is where the yep. really really like the juicy part is at because i got where they were trying to go and where they are trying to push this sound through they are uh mm-hmm. definitely chasing what they are calling the future rumba this is the future saudi soul sound that is definitely the rumba sound but slightly with, uh, you know, a little bit extra synths and, you know, stuff that is going to sound a little bit futuristic. That is why I think in the beginning of the song, we are hearing a little bit of Daft Punk over there. And as much as that is a signature sound that is going to be uh, maybe prevailing in their upcoming project, which I'm really definitely all ears to listen to, I think it really didn't go with this track, especially just that opening part that sounded, you know, a little bit futuristic. The sound of the track itself, I didn't find it to be really an extension of Susanna, but more so a little bit nice new flavor that was more into Zook than it is onto Rumba. You know, maybe I think those two genres share a certain thing together, but if you really ask me and I have to say this song to me sounded more like a Zook track than it is a Roomba track. Yeah, onto something. What I just think is also happening in music, and this is, I, I don't know why this, 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 this happens a lot, but if you, if you also listen to a lot of um, Afro beats uh, tracks that are, popular right now um there might be uh, a few look at artists like maybe even ira star there are a lot of uh, zook kizomba elements in those sounds and interestingly to uh maybe a fair number of sub-saharan countries that don't or haven't really listened to zook traditionally for a long time that sound feels new but if you've been following zook and uh, Kizomba, you know exactly where that sound is from. Where the difference might be is the progression of the rumba guitar on top of sort of zook drums. That might be something newish in a sense, but it's literally just taking like two genres that exist and mashing them together uh, to, to become something a bit uh, more unique maybe. But you're right. I agree. Um, definitely more Zouk. <laughs> but I can understand with the sub-Saharan Africa um, sort of approach where it is exactly. So, yeah, it's it's something that's a bit different. But, um, yeah, I kind of I, I kind of feel that you do place good emphasis on what it is. So it is quite a bit surprising that you could definitely directly link this song to Susanna. Because that is exactly what Savara said when uh, they were doing uh, this uh, promotion of this particular track. And he said that this is that song, just the progression of it, that vibe, but now on another level. But when I listened to it, really, I couldn't feel that. You know, in as much as they're talking about the Roomba stuff that they sang in Susanna, I couldn't find it in this song. So if you ask me, they are two different tracks. They might sound the same in certain aspects, maybe because they are the people who made the tracks. But inertly, for me, I see them as 
very different tracks. The flavor has definitely armed itself up. And that is why I'm thinking I'm mostly inclined to listen to what Saudi is offering next in their uh, catalog of works. And I think it is going to be impressive to see these young men now a little bit older, where they are taking their sound to next, because they have been silent for the past two years, but not silent, silent. They have been doing solo projects as we talked on our previous episode. In those solo projects, we have got to hear their different takes on music, their different tastes and what actually make them uh, valuable as individual members. And when they merge into a group, creating these unique voices. So definitely it's a project that I'm really, really looking forward to hearing from them. Yeah. For me, I think um, the, the average Saudi soul listener is probably older as well. And the momentum that they had the year off and the year before the pandemic, um, to me, it's, it's, it's gone now. And they probably won't get that same momentum back. I really think now their sound will be tailored to an older demographic and there'll be less less numbers, if I should say so, um, overall. And that just comes when you when you have a much more mature sound uh, that tends to happen. But uh, they probably will have a seriously engaged core fit fan base, um, wherever that is. So I see I see the sound is is definitely going to change. And um, but where where they are now, I think they'll have to do some other building to kind of, uh, you know, really recapture that market share that they used to have. You're talking about a very interesting subject that I didn't really uh, thought about, but it makes sense so much to really like talk about it in that way, that when an artist grows, their lyrics and everything that they're making musically also matures. And it is not going to be the same music unless they do deliberate changes to appeal to the lower demography than they are at. It's quite something that, you know, uh, when you think about it, makes sense so profoundly. And now that you're mentioning it and you're saying that you think the numbers are going to go down, do you think that they need uh, the younger audience anymore or they just might want to go with the core audience that they had in the beginning or the people that they started making music for? I don't think they they need the younger audience. I don't think they uh, particularly care uh, what happened at the time um, when when they decided to sort of uh, focus more on the solo because they had gone on a really good run. Just think about um, maybe songs like um, Midnight Train in itself, Susanna. They had had uh, massive, massive. Uh, album in I think it's um, African Source with the song Melanin, and then you know um, they had dope songs like with Nyashinsky, Emiela Day, um, I think Tiwa Savage as well or something. And a follow up to to that would have been you know to probably do more um, collabs with younger artists, so to speak. But I don't think they ever really capitalized on capturing that uh, young market. So I figured probably it wasn't really what they were trying to go for. Thank you, MJ, for that particular one. We're going to go back to Saudi Soul a little bit later towards the very end. But I want us to now take a look at one of your favorite artists out of Zimbabwe currently. And that is going to be Tanto Wavy. We have been talking about Tanto Wavy almost twice now in our podcast sessions. And I wanted us to really break down his recent release. Uh, that is uh, Tanto Wavy's uh, Sungura Museve Party 2. Uh, his follow-up to Sungura Museve that came out last year, uh, around August, and his EP that was released April this year, Ama Sungura. So he has released a total of three projects in just two years. I want us to to really like touch up on um, this music that he's making. I know we have talked about it, that he is pioneering a new sound that is called Trapsu uh, or Trapsungura that is akin a new genre of music that is a mixture of uh, trap and this Sungura music. I want you to take us into a journey. What exactly is the source 
of Tante Wavy. What is this Sungura sound? Because when I listen to it, I'm hearing a lot of guitars in there. And I really didn't know that, that Tante Wavy was playing a guitar until I saw a video of him actually doing that. And I was like, okay, this guy is playing this guitar this nicely. So let's break down the voice here. Let's break the sound. What exactly is in Trap Su, as uh, Tante Wavy puts it? Well, so um, the origins of Sungura in itself are very interesting. I believe um, the word in itself means rabbit. And uh, it's, it's, it's a long journey of um, people used to uh, take some music from East Africa, particularly Kenya, and travel with it. And that's how, um, you know, um, aspiring Zimbabwean guitarists started finding this other sound. And they created a faster-paced version of it, uh, which uh, was then called Sungura. And it's a very interesting story because I didn't even know the story up until about last year that it it, it actually, I mean, it's our sound as Zimbabweans, sure, which is uh, pentatonic rhythms in your guitar, very sort of fast-paced strums. Basically what Tanto Wavy did here is he was the guy who in this whole generation said, wait, there should be a middle ground between the old Sungura music, which has been super popular it still is popular in Zimbabwe and the the new stuff so he's been experimenting for years doing you know drill laced with sungura or something like that but he only he doesn't only take sungura if we're being fair he he takes other uh, Zimbabwean genres uh the other genres such as jit music that's out of Zimbabwe and Zimbabwe had a, had a bit of a love affair with 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 reggae as well. I know we've shared some some comments about Bob Marley coming to Zimbabwe for uh, to celebrate the independence at Rufaro Stadium. And there's a reggae sort of version, a Zimbabwean reggae version that was popular um, in the, especially in the 80s. He's taken that sound as well and he's infused it into more modern genres. And really that's it. But with Trap Soup, as it suggests, it's just a fusion of trap and sungura. And he finds a great middle ground. And that's what really makes him special because it's not just the, um, the, the, the instrumentation, the music. It's actually how he sings, his delivery. If you listen to that, you realize, oh my goodness, this guy is also um, singing in a very Zimbabwean sense, if I should say so. It is quite catchy, you know, to get to listen to him. You, I found myself just going through his discography, like churning like album, EP album. And I was like, what am I hearing? I'm hearing like rocky guitars in here. And you saying that mm-hmm. they, that was like imported from Kenya. I'm like, is it something that had to do something with Roomba? Because that time around the Congolese guitar was what moved from the Congo to Kenya and of course parts of it came to Tanzania as well but this fast paced kind of music there and this rocky made me think about Zimrock and thinking about it made me ask my, myself that is it also uh, influenced a little bit of uh, by Zimrock as well yeah I don't know if you're referring to maybe uh, the Zambian sort of Zamrock because Zamrock is is more of uh, I think there's there's a there's an actual genre called that uh, from uh, from Zambia, and basically it was like soft, very very soft rock from Zambia. I don't think Zimbabwe had a very strong phase of that, and that's why the guitar it didn't come from zambia to zimbabwe it actually went around like you're saying it was the congolese guitar which went to kenya but somehow came back down to tanzania then down again to zimbabwe and that's how sort of uh, the journey the journey came to be but for sure what we do know is sungura definitely and i should uh, uh, send you this other Tumblr post. The the journey of it is really like uh, it goes back to the 1940s and 50s. 
that's how far back it gets. But it was really about um, music actually traveling. So I don't know if it was, um, you, you know Swahili. So um, I don't know if Sungura is a, a, an actual like sort of old word. Sungura is 100% a Swahili word because we use it. We have tales uh, that talk about, uh, you know, the rabbit and the hyena, that the Sungura Nafisi stories. So we have those and uh, it is uh, 100% a Swahili word. Yeah. So basically what was uh, exported to Zimbabwe, right, was a close cousin of Roomba, which is called Kanindo music. Okay. So that was, and and Kanindo music was named after like a politician and music producer out in East Africa there. So when when these cassette tapes were being exported to Zimbabwe and stuff like that, I think the most popular one or whatever the case was, came from a label that was actually called Sungura. That was the name of the studio or whatever. They always used to imprint their stuff like with the rabbit and call it Sungura and stuff like that. So where, but then that Kanindo music is a, is a bit slower, just like Roomba, it's a bit slower. So when it came to Zim, we took it and just sped it up and kind of created almost like an offspin of that. And, but then just because the label that was uh, getting its stuff coming to Zimbabwe was called Sungura, we just called the music that. It's such an interesting story. It is really beautiful to get to hear that. And have you found uh, another favorite apart from Bira Zakondo from the album? Oh man, Dikondo is a really good song. Um, I really liked liked that one. I thought that was dope. Ndichad Zima, man. Um, Diwa, really good song. And maybe Zima as well. Such a dope album. Like, uh, this guy is something else. Definitely, it is a very beautiful thing to get to listen to. And um, I'm going to really urge uh, our listener today, if uh, you get some time, really check out for Tanto Wavy. He's Zimbabwean and he sings this trap. So you're going to really meet an amalgamation of some beautiful taste. There are some drill in there. There's some trap in there, but there is this beautiful laced guitar that, uh, you know, it's going to just take you by surprise. MJ, we're moving on to Diben Gogo. Diben Gogo released her debut album titled What's Real. It's 12 songs and it has one skit over there. Uh, the skit that has Mark G and Saul Penduka of Podcast and Chill with <laughs> Mark G talking about stuff in there. And I really, really found that very interesting to have these two people in there. It is DB and Gogo's debut album, but uh, she has had done uh, several other projects. She has two EPs with other producers, but also she has several songs. And we remember, I think I remember her mostly from her track uh, Kuza Gogo, which like went viral. And it was like over there immediately overnight. Kuza, Kuza, Kuza. Yo. Yes. And that dance... <laughs> And that dance move, it was like mad, yeah. mad, 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 mad. So Deeb and Gogo has been at the forefront uh, of uh, the Ama piano music scene for almost two or three years now. And she has a placement on the new Wakanda Forever album, having two tracks over there, Love and Loyalty, as well as Jella, alongside Sinom Solo, Kamompela, Young Stana, and Busiswa. So tell me, did, how did you find uh, this one? Because uh, that Mark G and Soul was a beautiful surprise for me. Uh, the skit was, was, was such a cool thing. I, I have to agree. Um, for her to also have the awareness to, to actually have those, those guys on, on her album um, with the kind of pull that they have, smart move. Totally smart move. Um, the album, I really, 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 really enjoyed it. I think she she came through. And um, besides her own sort of signature sound, she's also come through with um, some really new groundbreaking sort of uh, sounds. Um, so if you listen to a song on there, uh, for example, uh, one called Shuku, it's amazing. I actually added it to the Skija playlist on Spotify. And 
it's an amazing Skija song, but she adds a, a very new sort of sound that's just come into, into focus in the last two to three, maybe four weeks with uh, Skija Productions. And um, it just shows how in tune she is with her audience, but also willing to challenge herself to give something new because she could have just done something like Bells again and it would have been a hit, but she's come through with this, um, you know, 12 tracks album and um, it's one of the best I've heard this year. She's done well. Definitely. And we're agreeing with you that there is a track over there that she has these sounds of a car, you know, like a car going around making these donuts and it is there. You hear this engine of a car going around. The, f- the sound that first I heard from Pretty Ugly, Pretty Ugly did a song that he inserted the sounds of the engine car. And I'm hearing them again uh, in Debian Gogo, which is quite an amazing uh element to fix there because the use of South Africa are going to really, really, really resonate with this particular track because of those speedy BMW E30s. Yeah, these top tier artists in South Africa, they tap into the culture. That's what they do. And South Africa has got very strong culture that's aligned with the music. And it's just up to the artists to figure out um, how to make it work. And Pretty Ugly and Dibin Gogo are Two great examples of artists that do that. Over the last week as well, we had a very interesting case of streaming farms. I thought that we could uh, do a little bit touchdown on that and, uh, you know, give context that what are these streaming farms? Because people were thinking this is an agricultural project, but this is definitely not <laughs> one. You know, at, at, unless you say that you want to farm uh, ones and zeros, then you can have this. But this is a very, not a very new concept, actually. It has been there. This is a practice of buying views uh, via streaming farms. These are places that hosts devices, mostly mobile phones, that people can go around and play your song around. And then you pay these people money and you receive these amazing, amazing, amazing numbers in your videos, be it YouTube, be it Spotify. And we see this uh, phenomenon repeating itself even in places like Instagram, you know, amazing, amazing amount of likes over there. So this is really not a new thing, but it really raised uh, a lot of eyebrows over the last week. And we had uh, this discussion coming all, all over from Nigeria. So MJ, we know numbers don't lie, but in this particular case, they seem to. What is happening? Numbers always lie, man. Numbers always lie. Because now we're, we're, just, we're just at a place where there's pressure for attention and everyone is looking to cut through the noise. So when this story came out, it was first um, like um, we, we've always joked about this saying, look, TZ artists are doing this and it's painfully obvious. But what came out in the last couple of weeks was Nigerian artists, even some of the biggest ones are doing the same thing. And then what came out a few days later is Big artists under big labels in the States are doing the same thing. It's all fighting for attention and trying to cut through the noise. But also at the same time, it's because music discovery has is more influenced by algorithms now than it is by people. And algorithms work on numbers. So if I am an artist or I am a label and I want to put my artist in front of everybody, the thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go uh, find a streaming farm, pay them, you know, X amount of dollars and say, I want this song to pop off on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. And what that does is very simple. The more your song or your your product, um, your, your video is getting streamed, the more the algorithm sees it and suggests it to more people. because it's in, in, in the algorithm's calculations. If people are liking what they see, then more people are likely to like the same thing. So it suggests it to more and more and more and more and more people. And this doesn't surprise me. It's just, it's the pressure of the game. Because if you try and do everything organically, 
the real, real, real truth <laughs> is you're probably not going to go as far as you want to. And especially in the case of uh, big labels that have invested a lot of money into these artists to make them stars and so that they can get um, money back because this is a business de decision. They have to do what they have to do. Now, I'm not saying I agree with streaming farms, but I'm just saying I understand because the pressure puts musicians and labels in a spot where they have to try and do whatever they have to do to get money back because essentially this is a business. So it is the matter of uh, knowing the game uh, and not hating it. You know, uh, don't hate the player, but hate the rules of the game. But in this particular case, we just have to respect the rules and write the new ones and be able to change with them, maybe hopefully, if you have the budget. If you don't have the budget, which is most musicians, you're going to be salty about this. But also, at what point do we draw a line in the sand to say this is too much? Because if I have um, a financial backer who can who can give me fifty thousand US dollars a month just for promotion and streaming farms, even the artist who's really good but doesn't have a budget has no chance, man. I hear you. So that's unfair. That's really that really is unfair. And I think that's where the the gripe with this is because also it's not organic numbers, but it then shines a light on how many concerts have we seen this year where artists have had to cancel because there weren't enough people supporting their music to go to a concert. Yet these artists have millions of streams a month, every month from on Spotify and wherever. And that's, that's starting to show you that there is a problem that needs to be fixed when it comes to these streaming farms, because but then it's not just the streaming farms. Like I said, it's the pressure of um, uh, trying to play to the algorithm in the first place. Are we going to say this, MJ, that uh, good music is just good music and people are going to gravitate towards it? Or at this age and time, good music alone is not enough. Organic means alone are not enough. Good music alone is not enough because even when it comes to good music, right? If an artist makes good music, but they don't promote it, they're not active on social media, they probably do the bare minimum of just getting it on DSPs. Nine times out of 10 or 9.5 times out of 10, that song is not going to do anything just because they're good. It comes through also to the fact that there's serious competition when it comes to music being released. There are probably millions of musicians out there. I can't remember the stats, but I think um, like Spotify, they're like, I don't know, 50,000 tracks being released every day or something. <laughs> you have to cut through the noise. And you don't cut through the noise just by good music. Good music is not going to find its way to your ideal listener's lap if you're not going to do anything about it unless you just get lucky or somebody finds your song and they decide to, you know, do a video about it and then it goes viral or something like that. But that's just relying on luck. How many times will that happen in one career, artist's um, career? Probably zero. So good music is not enough. Good music is a requirement, but right now it's not enough, especially if you want to make um, a career out of out of music. Yeah, you can make good music, but uh, and I've seen good projects even under labels that have poor marketing or no marketing at all. And they don't do anything. Sad reality that is. Yeah, it is. It is. But um, the good news is there are many ways you could do it, and it doesn't always have to involve money. I think it can involve time because things like that's why uh, things like dance challenges have, have have become a thing or TikTok challenges. Um, and artists try to, you know, leverage that by asking people or whatever to be like, hey, can you do a, a challenge on my song or something like that? But anyway, the idea being we have to realize that there's you have to be creative. You have to think outside the box and you have to take your work 
very seriously to do that. All right, MJ. I think that is a nice masterclass to artists should they uh, be listening to this particular one. I want us to close today's session with uh, what we listened this weekend. I think we had um, several releases this weekend and some of them beautiful than the others. Uh, if I should uh, give you a pass to start with, uh, we, of course, removing Tanto Wavy, Sungura Museve 2. What else did you listen to this particular weekend? Oh, man, you, you're not serious. Um, <laughs> um, I listened to uh, Ole Gun by Malik Bey. He's back, baby. I, I heard I heard him in the BBC orchestra a thing that they did alongside Nikita Kering, Sarkodie, and who else? I think there was someone else there, but I didn't get to listen to Malik Berry himself. But there was that particular concert, which I thought was amazing, you know, to have Nikita Kering performing with the BBC orchestra. It was just, you know, it is stuff for the dreams, man. And she is there. Yeah, Nikita Kering is, uh, uh, she's doing some, some, some good things and um, making a name for herself, which is, which, which is awesome and in the right places too. So Yeah, apart from Malik Berry. I got a chance to listen to Stormzy. Right. Amazing stuff. Tell me, how did you feel about that one? I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Really? Yeah, it's, it's too sentimental for me. All right, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, but, but I have to say this. Musically, it's a stunning album. I agree with the you. The musicality 100%. of it, it's a stunning album. And I'll say this, you know me, I'm, I'm that kind of person. I can critically assess an album and see the, the high points and everything else, even if I don't necessarily like the music. Stormzy is reaching a level that is seriously hard to even fathom at this point in time how he does it. This album is brilliantly executed. Rick Rubin was on this particular thing, so definitely. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't uh, know he, he, he did uh, a session with him when he was recording, I think for the second time. And he listened to these particular tracks. Now imagine Rick Rubin sitting next to you, you know, in this, uh, uh, you know, like uh, a monk position and you play him a track and he tells you that is actually very, very nice. So they had this particular exchange. It's about 30 minutes. I really enjoyed looking at that because you see like Stormzy is this very young guy coming up. Of course, he has credit in the scene, in the scene. And you have Rick Rubin, who has seen almost everyone in this music thing, doing their thing. And he's there telling you that, you know, this music is proper. And, you know, you just have at that particular point in time, there is no bigger cosign that, than that you, which you'll get from a person like Rick Rubin. True. Like, that's a serious endorsement. And... I mean, no surprises there. Like, seriously, the musicality of this project is next level. And actually, you know, just uh, uh, what we were talking about earlier, that sometimes, you know, an artist's music just grows with um, with time and they start doing uh, something different. This is what's happened um, with Stormzy for me. I've loved more of his sort of the street music. That's where I really, really liked Stormzy. But he's grown so well musically that, like, um, I mean, unfortunately, he's left me behind. But I think there are a lot more people that can appreciate what he's doing because with each project, you can actually see and you can feel, you can hear the growth and you can actually appreciate it. He's just become probably the best rapper out of the UK ever. I just wanted to share this particular thing that uh, I got from the interview. And it is at the very, very beginning where Rick Rubin said that uh, you have to put the listener last. And by doing that, you are really listening to yourself and trying to create from the deepest part of you. So the listener is really the end person that you're thinking about when you're making the project. So the project becomes so much centered around you and what you have to offer without thinking about the gimmicky thing that what 
this person is going to be gravitating towards. And I think that was one point that to me was like, you know, why? I mean, like, this is so profound to get to hear that particular sentiment, of course, from an actually guru uh, in this market. And it made so much sense to, to hear what he said about that particular thing. Yeah, um, I totally hear you. So true. And I think that's where Stormzy tapped into, man. Like he he's he's really like become a master at um digging deep inside. And that's 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 exactly why I don't like this album. But that's exactly why this album is brilliant. Cause I don't want to connect to those feelings. I don't want. But for the music. My goodness, that's just brilliant. Great to hear that because this is this is becomes uh, the feeling that I had when I was listening to Nikita Kering's The Other Side now. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I couldn't really listen to it because of the feelings. And I had to... I remember you telling me that, actually. I remember you telling me that. <laughs> yes, it was so deep. And now I think you can relate now. <laughs> oh i see i see i remember you saying exactly yeah you said it and i remember on the day you know what you said to me you're like ah maybe maybe i listen to it in the morning so bad idea but i'll try and listen to it later in the day i get it now <laughs> i had i had to do this thing mj yeah i had to listen to that stormzy album on a sunday morning yeah you know like yeah. because i could i could relate to that church vibe so I said, you know what? I'm not going to listen to it on Saturday, but I'm going to play it on Sunday so that I could hear because I, I'll be in that mood, you know, I'll be in that setting. And this opens up another, ch another channel or another challenge that I was thinking that maybe sometimes the way that we talk about music, maybe sometimes we miss the context that the artist was trying to make the art from. You know, we really think mm -hmm. about ourselves uh, and removing the role of the artist that what position or where were they coming from when they were creating this particular project. And maybe most times we are listening at that particular project in the wrong settings. What if that is the case that we find, you know, we don't connect to the music and we don't give ourselves enough time to really like immerse ourselves in the music. And again, that is such, such a huge challenge because we have so much music coming at us at any time, T. And then again, we have these amazing music that needs to just be given that attention. You know, it needs you to stay with it for more than just 40 minutes, more than just one hour. It maybe calls you to stay with it for three days for you to unpack it all and, you know, start to get to the surface of it. To appreciate it, yeah. And I would even argue that mo most people probably don't even listen to like uh, the 40 minutes or the one hour. They just listen to the first 10 to 15 seconds to hear if they like the vibe uh, within that time. And if they don't, they move on, which makes it very hard to appreciate music. And music is not all about just finding, you know, bangers within 15 seconds. <laughs> so... The listener will have um, to just forgive us today because we're going to run them a little bit more uh, time. Hey, uh, we, we missed last week, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't, I don't mind. I got a question for you. Yes. Did you listen to uh, the new Harmonize uh, song? Uh, which one? Because he has been releasing stuff back to back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harmonize and Conscience, Weed Language. I think that to me must have been the worst harmonized track, uh, but he just finds a way to, he just finds a way to top it up. You know, like I might say that it is the worst, but he literally just released another track uh, yesterday. He was featured by Mwana Fe, and I think he really blundered on the chorus. It is like one of the lowest, lowest he could go. So I think he really like, um, fumbled on what would have been a very beautiful uh, music because Conscience is quite a big name and he has yeah. fans uh, all over and mostly in Kenya. He is really one of those acts. So I, it didn't really speak to me, that track. I tried to listen to it multiple times, but I was like, I gained, you know, maybe it is time Harmonize just, you know, like goes to rest for this year because... 
it is enough at this particular point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt the same. Uh, when I saw the, 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 the lineup, I thought, you know what? This will be interesting. And then I listened to it. Ah, something wasn't working um, the way I wanted it to. And that's okay. Exactly. So on my, uh, on my end, yeah, the weekend was beautiful uh, because I got to listen to works that I was anticipating, highly anticipating. Uh, this includes the project by Kabza and Questa. And as much as yeah. I say that I love Questa because this is the guy that I've, I've tried to follow, you know, and he has a very sentimental approach to art. And I think he's just one of those rappers who try to bring it much to his people than maybe any other rapper that I know from South Africa, you know, maybe KO is another one. So when they announced the project between him and Kabza, I was so much looking forward to it. And I must say like there are several tracks in there that I enjoyed. The vibe is the vibe. It is this beautiful mix of some Kwaito and, you know, hip hop and, you know, it's, and, and rap of course in there. It's beautiful. But it's, it is a project that to me, I think I might need to re-listen to it again. I found some tracks that I love, definitely love. And I still don't find it as, you know, uh, the Dakar to uh, Questa Days. You know, it still doesn't impress as much. The sound is there, but you feel that this sound is too experimental. You know, it doesn't stick. It's still you know, maybe we can get like a version 2.0 of this one and it might have been, you know, it might be improved upon because it is quite the new waters that these guys are working on. So that project was also another project that I listened to. But, you know, as mm-hmm. much as I liked some several tracks in there, I felt like in the completion of it as a project, it wasn't doing something to me. I mean, that's, that's just understandable, yeah. Yeah, so that was like one project, but I loved uh, a project by the Decimeters uh, from Kenya. Uh, their project is called Cocktail on the House. And this is a group of uh, producers, Musioka and Bonet from the P Unit uh, group. So they really like did uh, an amazing like 11 tracks project. And in it, they have different um, people. You have Trio Mio, you have Nyashinsky in there, who is coming out as a very, 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 very impressive rapper. And he just is like, when you give him a track, you just have to expect that he's just going to do amazing stuff. And he's doing uh, extremely uh, beautiful things in this particular project. He doesn't fail to impress you on every listen. So, there was that project by the Decimeters, Cocktail on the, on the House. It is quite a very amazing project. And if you love properly produced music, this is something that you're going to enjoy. It is, just, it is just on its own lane. And it's very, very, very beautiful. 11 tracks over there, beautifully made. And it just gives you this vibe uh, that you, you can really like love and enjoy. Another project that I listened to was uh, Fully Focus, African Ambassador. Uh, Fully Focus is also Kenyan, but he's, this is an international DJ, by the way. So he has 10 songs in yeah. there. Uh, and of course, Nyashinsky also appears in this one. And the very, very beautiful surprise in this one was Vanessa Mde. Uh, Vanessa, um, as many know, has exited uh, the music industry. So it was a very nice surprise to get to hear that uh, Vanessa is in this particular track. I guess uh, it might have been recorded uh, on a while back, maybe, uh, or however, mm. because I think uh, Fully Focus say that he has been trying to combine uh, the taste of these artists around uh, for some time and creating this particular project. So it's a, an amazing project. And there is a very, very beautiful track that is called Complete Me uh, that he has featured Jorge from the Cap Verde. And I don't know, man, is it Portuguese or is it just these guys know how to do their stuff? That track is They know beautiful. how to do their stuff. Bro, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think I've said it um, before, Cabo Verde probably, for me, is, is top five in Africa when it comes to making music. Beautiful music, man. Oh, they're good. They're good. So I finished uh, the weekend with the beautiful Zenia Manasse and 
he featured Ukweli in their maybe EP. Five songs that are dreamy R&B and they really like serve a different uh, avenue of your brain. You know, it is beautiful to get to hear Zenia Manasse in this particular project. You're just going to enjoy it. She sings beautifully. It's that beautiful R&B uh, vibe. You know, something that you listen to in the evening, you know, contemplating your life. Of course, love life in there. <laughs> but it is just a beautiful beautiful project the cover is also beautiful this neon blue and pink and her profile over there so this was also a very 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 interesting project just five songs so nothing really long one producer quelly in there and i'm telling you man this was the highlight of what i listened to this particular week beautiful project uh we have an upcoming project by the way by uh yams and soul natives yams has been doing some just crazy stuff all over man he has been moving with his sound he has worked with jukes mm -hmm. and now he's working with saudi soul uh and uh, soul natives to bring something they are calling amapiano east meets south they already have two songs out of that particular project that is coming out on 9th of December. So it is this Friday. And they have yeah. Naona Weave that they have Ben Soul, Saudi Soul members over there. And they have Akipesawewe that has Ben Soul, Zenia Manase, Savara, and some other members of the Saudi Soul. I don't know if it's just going to be a Soul Generation Saudi Soul project, but this might be the most beautiful ama piano project we might have heard coming out of east africa for this year that is super interesting it is bro um, it is very interesting i didn't even i didn't even know about that one that's why i rely on you to let me know what's coming out um <laughs> but but yams has been on a on a roll for quite some time now he is really doing doing the work he's doing the legwork man he is yeah, and it's good. It's good to see you know new names coming up also in the Amapiano piano scene. I think um, you know we're we're getting to really see how diverse that that scene is. But at the same time, it's not as much as we've seen probably in the last two years. But uh, yeah, we've had some good sort of um, new, particularly producers out in the Amapiano piano scene. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Exactly, bro. So that is going out on the 9th of uh, December. Uh, I also listened to chapter 10 of the Marvins, man. And I want us to talk about this oh, before we yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> because that also is something. I think Don Jazzy has found the proper mix of talent. Because how do you have Boy Spice, John Drilly, Irasta, Rema, and Bayani in one project and they're all killing it. Ladipo. It is just amazing, man. It's just beautiful to get to hear this uh, project. Chapter 10 uh, by yeah. Mavis. Crayon, Iron Star, Aishman, wow. Magics. I, look, I think, I think it's nice to see. Personally, I'm a fan. I, I actually, I actually grew up in the, in the, in the era of um, compilation albums um, and they were, compilation albums were the way artists used to put their stuff out because if they didn't have names, they would uh, stick to um, studios or labels and then they would, they, would, they would get on compilation albums. And that's how a lot of, you know, artists uh, uh, were made, especially in the early to mid 2000s. So it's really nice to see. I think uh, from the Maven's perspective, this is something that makes sense. And I love that they bring back the nostalgia of uh, the compilation album, but they do it well, um, particularly uh, considering the, the roster of talent that they have, which is uh, pretty hardcore. Did I also tell you that uh, I have been listening to Rush by Ira Star and loving it after every listen? Oh, that song is so good. I've been forced to listen to it almost every day uh, because it's one of my daughter's favorite songs. So just before she goes to, to daycare, uh, and, uh, she makes me listen to like Emiliana, 
um, Rush, and yeah, I I know those songs like the back of my head. That 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 is that is the indicator that the song is actually beautiful because they say ch- children are automatically self-made A and R's. Oh yeah, hundred percent. If 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 the kid likes it, it's a banger. <laughs> that is just beautiful, and I think we can just finish it on that particular high note. If a kid likes it, it is a banger, and. This brings us to the very, very end of our today's double episode, if we might call it, because it has been running for almost an hour now. And it's really, really beautiful because I I don't know where I'm getting this energy. I can really go for the next maybe 30 minutes because I'm so pumped and it's a little bit late on this side. But it's just really, really beautiful to get to talk about this stuff in the way that we talk about them. So MJ, thank you very much for agreeing to join me today again for our sixth episode. So maybe we might call it the sixth and seventh, but it is the sixth episode of um, the MJ edition of the 30 Minutes with Mark, but now uh, close to 58 minutes. So thank you very, very much for joining me today. And, uh, you know, your parting words, apart from if a child likes it, then it's a banger because I'm just really going to go with that one. You know what? I think... um, uh, we're now in into into you know that that December holiday period, so to speak, um, and yeah, this is a good a time as any to just enjoy the music that's out there, but also stay safe, you know, because they don't call it silly season for uh, for nothing. So yeah, just uh, enjoy the music, stay safe. That's all I can say. All right. We we haven't really got the December track of the year, right? We haven't. We, we, we Have you seen anything like that? There's nothing. Nothing. Okay. We, we're just going to leave it. Nothing. Point. Hopefully it comes. <laughs> Hopefully, man. If it does, that would be great. But yeah, so far, nothing, man. All right. No December track of the year. Bye-bye, MJ. <laughs> All right, Mark. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Bye-bye.